Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... And groceries have to be our thing because the allergies we have to eat. We have to eat, um, you know, really clean whole foods. Well, it's probably uh, good for you. I would say my kids are probably getting spoiled on how good apples can actually taste, or yeah. how whatever, how good whatever can actually be. So you're you're not wrong, right? <laughs> maybe one day though they'll appreciate. Like, do you realize how much money we dropped on you for food? <laughs> for food. healthy, fresh food. And you were monsters that ate constantly. Do you realize? <laughs> Stop! And you're not even teenagers yet. It's just, uh, just wait till they get. I know. It's only oh, gonna be worse. <laughs> they will eat everything. A series of chapter books taking design inspiration from Japanese snacks. These books caught my eye right away, and I was so pleased to meet the charming, sincere, and multi-layered characters within. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 452. I'm your host, Matthew Winner, and today I'm speaking with Debbie Mishko-Florence, author of the Jasmine Taguchi series. Jasmine's adventures with family and friends are already helping waves of children see themselves and their friends for the first time, as evidenced by what my own students are saying as they've discovered and loved the Jasmine Taguchi books. And that's not by accident. Before we jump into the conversation, shout out to all my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and helping keep the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny Sue, Amy, Kate, Darshana, Nicole, Jarrett, Mike, Link, Anitra, Lynn, Cynthia, Doug, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Judy, Karina, Teresa, Elaine, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to join us as well. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. And now a word from our sponsors. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Gallery Nucleus, an art gallery and bookstore where you can find prints, books, and other gifts from some of your favorite children's book illustrators like John Clausen, Christian Robinson, and more. Gallery Nucleus is offering listeners 15% off your next purchase by entering in the promo code WONDER18. Visit gallerynucleus.com to discover more, or click on the Gallery Nucleus banner at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. The team shares our mission is to help aspiring storytellers learn the craft of storytelling by sharing our creative process intimately. We believe everyone has a story to tell. Listeners of the Children's Book Podcast are invited to a free mini class. Enroll today at storytelleracademy.com slash wonder or click on the Storyteller Academy banner at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. 
And now please welcome my guest, Debbie Michiko Florence, author of the Jasmine Taguchi series. Welcome to the podcast, Debbie Michiko Florence. I am excited that you're here. Thank you. I am also very excited to be here. Can I can I tell you that one of my fondest memories of going up to New England SCBWI was realizing that you were on the program and that maybe <laughs> just maybe I would get to see you. That was special for me. So thank you for 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 I guess going to the conference, but also for helping me find you. It oh was... well, thank you. I have, and can I tell you that when you tweeted oh, that yes. you were excited that I was there, I really had a moment of you must be mistaken because I couldn't believe you knew who I was. Well, you know, <laughs> I how knew I, who you were. You know now how I know who you were because you've got these gorgeous, beautifully designed books, and I have been reading them and loving them. And it's, I mean, when you love a book, you got to find the person and, and express to them how you love the thing they made. So before we get too much into that, because there's going to be a lot of that, um, <laughs> Debbie, would you mind introducing yourself to the people listening who may not have met you yet? Oh, no problem. Um, like you said, I am Debbie Michiko Florence, and I am the author of the Jasmine Taguchi chapter book series. Um I'm a California native. I'm third generation Japanese American. I've lived many places, but now I live in Connecticut with my, oh, I should say with my husband, my dog, my rabbit, and two ducks. <laughs> Have you always had dog? I don't want, I almost went through the whole line. Have you always had a husband, a dog, a rabbit, and two ducks? <laughs> Which came have, first, Debbie? <laughs> I have had many pets throughout my life. I have a degree in zoology, actually, and cool. um, used to work at a zoo. My um, daughter is grown. Uh, she always likes me to make sure to mention that I do have a daughter, but now she's grown up and lives um, in California. <laughs> Mom, you don't just have ducks. You do have me, too. <laughs> yes, yes. It's oh. important. <laughs> well, that's cool that you have animals and that you have a zoology background so okay. wait okay so we're going to come back to that because i okay. i have not heard the story of where you went from zoology to writing for children <laughs> and how you probably are still involved in both worlds but um first why don't you share with us if you don't mind a little bit about this series you have jasmine Taguchi. i would love to hear how uh you talk about the series to people that haven't uh come across it yet Oh, well, Jasmine Taguchi is an eight-year-old spunky Japanese-American girl that lives in Los Angeles, very similar to the neighborhood I grew up in. And um, there are four books in the series, three are out right now. And um, they're basically about her adventures with her family and friends with a, a little bit of Japanese culture thrown in. So I... First off, you are writing at a pace that is astounding on these, <laughs> assuming that you are writing, keeping up with the series, not like you banked four of them and then that's what you sold. I don't know. No. But, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> wow. That would have been easier. <laughs> <laughs> um, but these, these books are so fun. Oh my oh, word. I have not yet read. Um, I recently um, got in drum girl, drummer girl. But mm -hmm. I've I read Super Sleuth and I've read Mochi Queen and I know that I was so excited to find the fourth title um, <laughs> is Flamingo Keeper and we can get into why Flam you know why <laughs> it would be exciting to read that um, Jasmine gets a book <laughs> focused on flamingos or Jasmine gets to share <laughs> a cover with flamingos um, but but why don't I back up and just ask this this eight year old girl who is so spunky and who 
So clearly on the page, you've written her as a kid that's figuring things out in front of us. And I was really drawn to this series and therefore drawn to you because I love that that Jasmine is working it out. I love that you show us her thought process and, oh, I was really, I was wrong there. Or I really felt passionate this way. <laughs> uh, I'm particularly thinking about um, the incident in, in your first book in Super Sleuth when she gets into Mrs. Reese's, Mrs. Reese, right? Yeah. Yes. She gets into the garage because Mrs. Reese um, has these boxes and boxes of costumes, dress up things. And, and she and her friend Lenny go over there and she, she, uh, well, an incident happens with Lenny that that causes Lenny to 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 leave earlier, but 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 ultimately to have some drama with Jasmine, and the way that you allow Jasmine to work that out in front of the reader, I thought was really really well done, and I, I also just felt oh, like it, it just felt new too. It felt different. It just felt like you were caring for Jasmine and the reader. Uh, both at the same time in a special way. So, so I like that. Oh, thank you. So can I ask then from there, just how and when Jasmine walked into your life, how did this character come to be who she is for you? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I always uh, like to talk about how writers often say we hear the characters talking in our heads. You know, I hear voices in my head, which is a great thing as a writer. And um, Jasmine, that's how Jasmine came about. Um, the first book uh, that I wrote was Mochi Queen. And it started out with, uh, I read a newspaper article about a multi-generational Japanese-American family that got together every New Year's to make mochi the traditional way by um, pounding steamed sweet rice into a gooey mass and then uh, hand-shaping it. Uh, into bite-sized pieces. And I knew that there was a man's job, which was pounding the mochi, and a woman's job, which was rolling the mochi into shapes. And I wondered what would happen if a little girl, a little Japanese-American girl, wanted to do the boy's job and how her family would react and whether or not she'd be able to do this thing. And at that point in my career, I had been writing uh, middle grade YA novels, none of which had sold at that point. And I thought to myself, well, uh, I can't write this story. This is not a YA story. And it's not even really a middle grade story. So no, I'm not going to write this story because it sounds like a picture book or something. And I don't write those. And I tried to not write it. But boy, I just could not let go of that idea. And Jasmine kept, she was talking to my head wanting to tell her story. And so um, I made the decision to tell her story, but first I had to figure out how I was going to tell the story, because again, it wasn't a YA story, and I knew she was young, and um, I wasn't familiar uh, with writing picture books. I, I find, I'm, I admire picture book authors so much. They, it's just beautiful writing, uh, succinct, short, and um, not at all the way I write. So <laughs> I, I thought, I can't make this a picture book. Um, so I thought chapter book because the the format was more familiar, like a novel. And so I studied a lot of chapter books, and and then I sat down and wrote this story, and that's how Jasmine was born. And I wrote this as a standalone because I had the story I wanted to tell, and then I told it, and then I I thought I was done. And um, it took a, a long time to find a home for her, but when um, Grace Kendall of uh, FSG. Uh, made the offer that she also said, we'd like this to be a series. Can you write 
three more books. And I'm like, oh, yes, wow. I can. Um, but of course, because I you, didn't have any ideas. Because you say yes, right? You don't. Be, you, you never say, no, I can't make a series. <laughs> right? I mean, I was just so thrilled. And I knew, awesome. I knew her very well. So I, I knew I could come up with more ideas. But at that moment, I, no, I didn't. I wasn't about to say no. How did you um, know so, Grace oh. well? Uh, how did I know her? Yeah, how did you know her well? You said you knew her very well. Oh, no, I knew Jasmine. Oh, I'm sorry, you knew Jasmine. Okay, that yeah. makes more sense. I was like, you knew the editor well, and so you were writing more for her? That's amazing. No, I knew God. Jasmine You knew well. Jasmine well. I'm sorry. Now I, I know Grace well. <laughs> very good. Yes. So I'm glad that you knew this girl and that this girl showed you, showed you a different kind of story, a story that you didn't know maybe you were capable of writing or that you would, you would ultimately be identified as writing, um, huh. and that, that from there, four stories came out. I didn't realize... The Mochi Queen was was first also because I when I received I received both Mochi Queen and Super Sleuth at the same time. But your publisher has done such a clever thing, which is that <laughs> in the end of, of each of the books, and I um I, I do think that this is like the most clever way to get a reader reading, you include the first couple chapters of the next book or of another book, I should put it that right. way. Another Jasmine Taguchi book. And so um, it not only says, hey, by the way, there's another book that you can read or there's other books in the series, but also let's start the story so you have an inkling of of what this one's going to be about. I like that. I love that they That's did that. Idea. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Well, hmm. and then they also did the other thing that uh, I think is one of the most important things you can do with a children's book, and that is that they they designed the heck out of the books. Oh, my they gosh. I love so it. so pretty. Have you laid yes. them? I, I, I have... I think we talked about that. Maybe this is what we talked about when I met you. Um, how gorgeous they are laid out in a row. Oh, yes. So I just, pretty. I love it. And I do have the the cover of um, Jasmine Taguchi Flamingo Keeper. I don't have a book yet. But I un, um, I unwrapped one of the other hardcover copies and I wrapped the Flamingo Keeper cover yes. around another one just so I could see them all laid out. Um, yeah, I just uh, love uh, what they've done. The entire team has been absolutely wonderful to I guess to call it out for people that haven't seen it yet and I'll put the um, images of the covers in the show notes so people can see but they just have you've got you know you've got I understand design to know that like we always want the title in the same place and we can swap out colors but we always want the character to be positioned in the same place sure but you've got what is essentially like a, a, a watercolor rendering of of Jasmine and then the title and sort of these spotlights that are hitting the title yeah. are, are different colors and different shapes based on the different book. And they just, they, they just pop. They're just beautiful. And they don't look like, this is probably intentional too, they don't look like anything else on the shelves. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I have to agree. And I, I know from what Grace has told me, um, the designer, uh, Christy Red Willowitz, um, actually took her inspiration from Japanese snacks and and manga. And so that those bright colors and the bubbles and all that is just, uh, yeah, when I saw the design, I nearly cried. It was like above and beyond what I had envisioned. Well, I I'm not very visual, so I, I don't know that I envisioned anything. But when I saw it, I was just like, yes, that I absolutely love it. It's very reminiscent to me of the manga I read as a child. So, um, yeah, I love it. <laughs> I remember you saying the Japanese snacks. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. And 
what a perfect way to lend itself for like when you do book <laughs> signings, you lay out the snacks and they already coordinate with yes. your books. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, that's so good. So I, I wondered, um, as I was saying that to you, you mentioned that you sort of went and read different chapter books to get a sense of, well, to sort of study the format and to study yes. what those stories were like. What books were you reading or what what resonated with you? What What is sort of, a, if I can ask this, this straightforward, because it might not be this direct of a line, but what's mm-hmm. sort of a mentor text to Jasmine Taguchi? What are ones that you feel like are sort of um, ones that resonated with you? Well, um, I wrote this this story, Mochi Queen, in 2010, so a while back ago. Mm. And at that time, I had um, taken out, went to the library, took out a bunch of chapter books, but the ones that really resonated with me were um, Kate Mesner's Marty McGuire and um, Grace Lynn's Lingenting and, um, of course, Ivy and Bean, which probably was the one that I most um, it most resonated because I'm like, okay, this is kind of the age group that I'm looking for. Um, I knew that Lingenting was a more of a very early chapter book, and I knew that wasn't going to be what I was uh, working towards either. But um, yeah, just those three, the Kate Mesner, Grace Lynn, um, and Ivy and Bean. Ivy. I'm so sorry. I'm just, I forgot the author's name and I feel terrible about that. Um, but anyway, yeah. So those are the three books that I most studied and I read the series. It's so funny because I read their series. I read more than one book and saw how the series worked, but in my head, I wasn't thinking series. So, um, now that I think about it now. <laughs> I did that. I read these series, studied them, and thought I was writing one book. So that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I just looked it up because it was bothering me, and I could picture where it is on my library shelf, but I couldn't picture. I, I could I could picture that the um, illustrator was Sophie Blackall for Ivy and Bean. Mm-hmm. The author's mm-hmm. Annie Barrows. That's right, Annie Barrows, <laughs> and that's significant too because they're Annie went off to write something older most recently. She recently has been writing. Is it adult novels? She's been writing something different because they're coming oh. back with another Ivy and Bean. Maybe the tenth book or something. Yeah. Anyway, just yeah. significant that in in that time that you were reading it too, Ivy and Bean has has had a break. And look at the way that I feel like I feel like that that um, chapter book world just continues to be something that is nurtured and nurtured. We have really really good literature going on in that space. Whereas I feel like when I started in the library world about 11 years ago, um, a lot of the same books were in libraries, which is good. They were staple series that were there, but we're just seeing uh, new faces in there and we're seeing greater specifically, I think we're seeing greater representation of, of people of color or characters. Oh, of color yes. there. And that's, we need that, you know, I, I'm telling Debbie, here, here I am telling <laughs> Debbie Florence that we need that in in all levels of our I, library. I agree with you. I agree with you. And there are so many great series coming up now, and I'm, I love connecting with all the other authors. I know that, um, like Kelly Starling Lines with um, Jada Jones. Jada Jones, I love those, yes. Yeah, we, we chat about how our characters would totally be friends. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oh, that's cool. Yeah. 
Because they could be. You couldn't do that though with publishers, could you? Cross kids need more crossover stuff. Remember when our our favorite cartoons? It would like blow your mind when yeah. one of the cartoons would show up in another cartoon. Yes. And only now as an adult do I realize, oh, they were made by like the same company. So right. Okay, but yeah. um, it's something that we would always play as kids. We would we would mash up all that stuff all the time. Yep. Um. So I wonder if any of your I wonder if that will become a thing for your readers, like to use the term that is is more for older kids. But I wonder if if our younger readers would ever do sort of fan fiction. Oh, that would be fun. Right. I think there was a reader out there or a teacher that posted a picture of um, Jasmine with another character. Maybe it was Scylla Lee Jenkins. But um, yeah, it was kind of cool. It's fun to see like my character with other characters from chapter book series Ooh, out there. You mentioned silly Jenkins. I like that one. That's Susan. Yeah, Pan. me too. I know that there's a, there's just a couple in those. She's just getting started. I think maybe two or three books. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Okay. So, um, were you a reader growing up? Like what brings oh you goodness, from zoology yes. to, to writing? You were, it was there at a young age. Yes, I was writing and reading from a very young age. In fact, when I do school group presentations, I actually put up a story that I wrote when I was six years old that I wrote and illustrated when I was six years old. So, Ooh, and so um, we, so when you say that too, you're also uh, showing the value that your parents had on it because they kept it. They kept, they kept it. Kept yeah, it my mom you. kept everything. <laughs> oh, does she still keep like she? Your mom still like wants your copies of your books and stuff. Oh my goodness! Yeah, she is hilarious. <laughs> when she comes to my signings, she actually takes orders from all her friends and family. So she comes to my book signings and like like walks away with fifty books. <laughs> Bookstores love me when my mom comes. Mom, that's so cool. <laughs> well, I'm glad that mom had that influence on you as a reader. But what about writing? Because I know that we I, I I teach plenty of kids that love to read but don't don't identify as writers or that just isn't their draw to to make mm-hmm. their own stories. Did you write from a young age as well? I did. And in fact, um, it was I had a teacher in fourth and fifth grade, Mrs. Shinohara, um, who was probably my first the first teacher that truly encouraged me to write and keep writing. So, um, yeah, I've been writing my entire school life. I never really thought about being a writer. Um, back then, it wasn't the same. I didn't no. really have that connection. You know how right now kids can connect with authors through Flipgrid and Twitter and through podcasts um, and school visits. And um, while I love to read and write, I never really connected that that was a job. And so that's probably why I leaned toward zoology because I loved animals and reading and writing. So, um, yeah, I, I wrote, but I was like a closet writer. Like I'd get in high school, I'd get to class early and I'd write short stories, but I never showed them to anybody. And it wasn't until college that, um, so I went to college and as a zoology major and yeah. minored in English. I thought I wanted oh, to be yeah. a okay. veterinarian. Um, so I did that and I had a, and I just admit right now in public that I was not a very strong science person. <laughs> I was struggling in my science classes, but doing very well in my English courses. And I had a professor write me a letter and say, you're in the wrong major. You need to switch to English. And, you know, I said, oh, that's nice, but, you know, I'm not going to do that. And then I had a creative writing instructor who encouraged me to 
submit my stories to literary journals. And I said, oh, that's nice. And I didn't do that. <laughs> and I just, you know, plowed forward with my zoology degree, knowing very clearly that I wasn't going to be a veterinarian. But um, and then I went back and got my teacher certificate. And I taught fifth grade for a very short time, but then I got into zoo education. I worked at the Detroit Zoo as an associate curator of education for about five years. So, and all during that time, I kept writing. I kept writing stories during wow. that entire time. Yeah. You've so, put in a lot of hours writing, to be writing from childhood <laughs> on through, and to be in a place where, where you went to college, and, and uh, you were saying, uh, even though you weren't sharing your writing before that, to be able to identify that that you wanted to focus enough to, to have English be, be a focus, to have writing be looked at critically, to be studying mm-hmm. literature. That's important. And I like too yeah. that. I, I mean, just as, a, as an aside that, um, you did go into the classroom that you did have that toe dipped in the water and that you carried that into zoology because then that just shows me that here's these sort of three hats that you've worn that I know about in your life that you've blended all together to be uh, a scientist, to be working closely with animals like that, to be a teacher, to be a writer. Um, you've really found a way to, to tie those all together. Well, I like the way you say that. It makes like, it's like I had a plan to blend everything instead of hopping around. <laughs> I'm going with you. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, all of us that sort of feel like, well, what's that line from Tolkien? Not all who wander are lost. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. But, uh, that we're on this journey of, of figuring out where our passion is and where are the boundaries of our passion, all those things. Oh, it turns out I'm actually also really interested in this thing over here and this thing over there. <laughs> um, and as we get older, I think the harmony in our life really comes from finding where those all meet. And for me, that was like why the late twenties and early thirties have been the best because that's when I started finding that. And now as I'm getting older, it's nice to, to 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 be able to embrace all of the pieces, all of yeah. the you know all of the wandering that has led me uh, through life. So you did that too. It's all good. Yeah, you cool. wrote a, you wrote a chapter book series. <laughs> I did. <laughs> You're a YA author who, who debuted with chapter books. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, okay, so you you went from um, one book to four suddenly yes. and said yes and yes. did it. But not only did you go from one book to four, you're by the time Flamingo Keeper comes out, what's the what's the timeline from when Mochi Queen was published to this fourth book? I feel like it's pretty short. It was pretty short. Short. I was pretty much working simultaneously on two to three books at a time. Not like writing them all, but I'd be like doing copy edits on Mochi Queen and revising Super Sleuth and drafting Drummer Girl, kind of like that. Wow. So. Yeah, it was it was good in a way because she was in my head the whole time, so there was a good continuity to that. Uh, but yeah, I learned that I can write fast and I can write on deadline. <laughs> I work well under pressure. That's good to know. Yeah, and of course, Grace um, Kendall is just an amazing editor. It's like she was in my head in a good way. We just I feel like we worked really well together. And by the time I got to Drummer Girl. I felt comfortable enough sending her earlier drafts so that, you know, I could get her input rather than struggle with, you know, draft five, but I could give her draft two or three and then kind of get her help (laughs) as we moved along. 
I'm glad that the Jasmine found a home with Grace. That that was the right. That was the right person. I love going back to the story itself. um, How you do blend culture into this story in such a way that, for me to just call out my own childhood, my own reading, um, and also just being a, a white kid. I read books all the time that were characters like me, and I, I only realized I think really when I then I sort of stopped reading as uh, uh, as late elementary and middle school and high school and back in for college though uh, but as I came back in and especially as I started reading children's literature again I started to realize how many holes there were in what I was reading or how many gray areas how many places I hadn't been reading outside of my own experience and so to read a book like Jasmine Taguchi for uh, not only for myself, but also in consideration of my readers, um, my students, my, you know, all of them, all the readers that I'm raising. Um, it's, I I love just how, how you just talk about mochi and you just talk about um, girls day and you talk about all the number of things in my head that are cultural references, but are just part of the story. It's not like, okay, now, reader, I'm going to stop and explain to you what this thing is so mm-hmm. that you know, and now I'm going to stop again and explain and stop again. There's nothing like that. It's, it's, this is a kid. It's, well, let me call it out because you do, I think, a really beautiful and brilliant thing, which is that you introduce Jasmine to these kids the same way that they would meet a friend. You meet a friend, and as you get to know this friend, you get to know their family, or you get to know their culture, or you get to know how their lunch might be packed differently from yours, or their holidays might be different, their traditions might be different, all these different things you get to know. And that's the way you've laid out Jasmine as well, that it's, it's we're getting to know her better, and by getting to know her better, um, there are some things that are um, part of her vernacular that... Um, readers might share experiences with her culture or might share experiences with her tenacity or might share experiences <laughs> with her next door neighbors. You've just, you've given so many entry points for your reader. And, um, and I, I think in that way, I see what your college professor saw or what Grace sees that you just, you have a talent for, for showing the whole child. Oh, thank you. Um, and that, that to me, Debbie, really indicates how well you do know Jasmine and how well you've listened to that voice of her speaking to you for those years that you've been listening to her. Thank you. Yeah, she is. Uh, she likes her voice to be heard. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so but, no, go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, no. I was going to I was going to talk about Girls Day because Girls Day, you write with such you write with such fondness that mm-hmm. I couldn't help but feel any of these books, but it could be that you're this skilled of a writer, but it feels so personal. So can I just ask you directly, how, how, how much with experiences in common do you share with Jasmine? Um, well, experience wise a lot. Uh, my personality at that age was not at all like her. I was a, a little bit more introverted, Although I don't think my mom would say I was. And I was more like Sophie. I'm the big sister. So I was the bossy big sister. Uh, And I think Jasmine's personality is very much more similar to my daughter when she was that age. But culturally, yes, that is pretty much my life when I was growing up. We celebrated Girls' Day. Um, 
by my sister and I would dress up in kimonos and my mom would put up the doll display and we weren't allowed to play with the dolls and, and we'd sit there and take pictures and um, it would be a very special day because it was, you know, girls day. And, um, and then as we got older, my mom invited my friends over, um, not only my Japanese American friends, but friends of um, all races. So that in that way, we introduced girls day to my girlfriends and it was like having an extra birthday party every year so that was fun too oh that's cool yeah i should say yeah. that you, you've got a great uh multicultural cast if i could call it that way that the, yeah. the, there are all of these children throughout the books that just all of her classmates um that just share in being who they are it's really neat in the back of the book you you often include like here's how to fold origami or here is how you put on a kimono and the different the three different layers and as you do that or here's information about girls day or 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 any of these things but as you do it um we've got these great illustrations we should we should call out your illustrator i think uh, oh elizabeth Elizabeth yeah yes she is awesome because i mean come on i'm sorry elizabeth that i haven't mentioned you yet because you are such a big part of this series. She is uh, a huge part, yes. She, um, again, I'm not very visual. I had like a vague sense of what Jasmine and her friends look like, but it wasn't until Elizabeth um, shared her sketches. Yes. And again, I cried because it was like meeting my baby for the first time. Here was, And it was her. I knew that this was Jasmine. And um, she has done an amazing job with all the illustrations, with, yeah, with everything. I just love what she's done. She... You know, I think about what it means to create a character for for a chapter book series, like what it meant for, I don't know, Peter Reynolds to create Judy Moody or what it meant for these different illustrators to create these characters because these books are read over and over and they're at an age when a kid really owns that. I read this book. I read Magic Treehouse. I read Judy Moody. I read Captain Awesome. I read Geronimo Still, whatever it is, you you take ownership in what you read. And so you get to know those characters in, in a real way. So not only I think, was it so important that you wrote Jasmine the way you did, but also when we see her as often as we see her in all of the spot illustrations, um, I think that Elizabeth really, really just, she, she really nailed it. I think she, yes. she, she knows Jasmine, really well too yeah definitely definitely well and i was gonna say too i like that whenever she shows um putting on a kimono or putting on the what was the in drummer girl tell me the name oh hachimaki yes hachimaki yes. yes uh putting on uh wrapping the hachimaki the the band around the head that she shows different kids doing it it's not just jasmine yes it's it's all kids uh and so i just i don't know i just there's those little things those little choices that i feel like are just i know they're intentional and they're so smart it's so smart to do it yeah and and it's funny because you know i grew up in los angeles and i grew up with a multicultural population i um i yeah, it was just part of my life. And I had a lot of Japanese American, Asian American friends, but friends of all races. And so it wasn't until I left California that I kind of got more of a sense of, you know, how monochromatic some places can be. So I felt very strongly about creating uh, a chapter book series with 
um, a character like Jasmine, who is Japanese American, but she's fourth generation, and she's she's very American. She considers herself herself an American, but of course there are just like these cultural things that happen in her family that feel very natural to her too. So, um, I think it's awesome. Thank you. I, I I as well live in in a very multicultural area uh, in Maryland, and we're so grateful that that our kids have that they get to be part of this community right yes that their yes. experiences are valued uh and that they are able to value other people's experiences and just get uh get an education in the world and in friendship and in tolerance and in love and respect in ways that i grew up in the middle of pennsylvania i did not have diversity where i grew up mm-hmm. um and that's not to say i didn't grow up with great people but um, I had a lot of learning to do about the world as I continue to grow up. And I'm grateful that even if our students, our children are not in schools where the population uh, is as diverse, I'm grateful that children's literature is getting there or people are working to get there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting because in my head, the book was jasmine's for everybody but and the response i've been getting from the japanese american and asian american community has been really you know touching and amazing like from people of my generation writing to me and saying i wish i had had these books when i was you know young and uh but also you know kids of all um backgrounds are connecting with jasmine and and boys too um i had Somebody tell me, oh, it's too bad that, you know, boys won't be interested in, in Jasmine. I know. I forgot who said that. Some random person. Um, but, you know, I'm not finding that at all. I was just in Portland, Oregon, and I spoke to um, fourth graders, a bunch of fourth grade classes. And, and the boys, I felt, were just as engaged. In fact, one fourth grade boy in front of his entire fourth grade class, I think there were like, I don't know, 100 kids. And he raised his hand and said, you know, my little sister had Mochi Queen and I read it in an hour and I want to read the rest of the books. So, you know what? I'm thrilled that Jasmine is, you know, becoming a friend to many kids, boys, girls, and kids of all backgrounds. I wonder if we're starting to see, I wonder if we're starting to see a breakdown of gender norms or gender stereotypes if kids because my students it, my students read everything i i have so many boys that are proud to walk around with sisters with reina's sisters yeah. or, ghosts or anything like that uh or that they're they, they they don't shy away from checking out any book that has i don't know something that you might stereotypically be like well that really is kind of glittery shiny but right. they're, they're readers or they read it well i guess to, to call it out my fourth and fifth grade books, <laughs> boys are probably reading it to try to understand the girls. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that the, works. Maybe the secrets in here, but um, but at, at least again in 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 the fishbowl that I teach in, it looks as though my class, my my students, my classes are are very tolerant of kids just being readers and reading what you want to read. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And that's a testament to you and, you know, the community that these kids are growing up in, too. Yeah, there it is. That's awesome. Um, Debbie, listen, I 
our time has flown by and I think you and I need to schedule like weekly times to talk because I have more. That to would be you. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to keep chatting with you. <laughs> we don't need to record every one of them, but <laughs> maybe some more. But um, before I let you go, I, I want two things. First, I want to just thank you. I'm really grateful that Jasmine found me. I'm glad that I got to meet Jasmine Taguchi and through her and through loving her and really seeing her. I'm glad that I also got to meet you uh, because I feel like now I know her even better through you. And I know you in a lot of ways better through her. So thank you. Thank you for saying yes to coming on thank and talking you. to me. Well, thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much. That was a pleasure. And, and the, the second thing is, is the place I always like to leave things, which is with my readers, with your readers, with my students. So I'm going to give you last word here. I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message, Debbie, that I can bring to them from you? Oh, definitely. Um, uh, looking back at my long journey here and at Jasmine in Mochi Queen, it's uh, dream big and go after your dreams. This is Aaron Becker, author of The Journey Trilogy and Stoned for Sasha. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individual's and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.